Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover, all for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 5,000 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 5,000. Enjoy. The Leslie Marshall Show, the only true democracy in talk radio, of, for, and by you, the people, live nationwide and streaming live at lesliemarshallshow.com. Call in with your thoughts at 888-6-LESLIE. Set you free. How you doing? Happy Tuesday after the long weekend, President's Day. I don't want to age myself and sound like a dinosaur, but I used to get two days off for Washington and Lincoln, but then they decided, hey, all the presidents are great. Not everyone agrees with this current president being great, but uh, I'm thank you for giving me and my staff the long weekend off, and I hope you enjoyed some of the archived evergreen programs that we ran for you. Uh, but we are live, and we're glad that you are with us, and we are glad that this guest is as well. Michael Grunwald is a senior staff writer for Politico magazine. I read a lot of his stuff, and I actually retweet a lot of stuff, so you can check it out on Politico or on my Twitter page. He also is editor-at-large of The Agenda. And before joining Politico back in 2014, he was a staff writer for my hometown newspaper, the Boston Globe, a national staff writer for one of my favorites, the Washington Post, and a senior national correspondent for Time magazine. Politico, Washington Post, two of my favorites. Arguably, I think many of you would agree. Michael Grunwald's in the house. Thank you for joining us, Michael. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me, Leslie. You wrote a great piece uh, that I had uh, read and wanted to share with folks entitled Rating Trump's Huge... Huge, as when I lived in Houston, Texas, they would say that's how I said Houston, uh, Y-U-G-E, month one. Well, the president has been in office in the uh, first month, and there are a lot of people who are out there talking heads like myself on national television or on radio, and those uh, of like yourself, writers, and then those who just break it down based on analysis, and some is very partisan on the left or uh, the right. But what I like in your piece is you cover pretty much everything, and you also talk about what matters and uh, what doesn't. 
Um, this is the opening line, and a lot of sports fans out there will like this. If you think of Donald Trump's presidency as a 48-minute NBA game, we're only at the one-minute mark. So how come after just one too much month of scandals, protest, unprecedented controversy, and unfathomable tweets, is it, does it already feel like we're heading into overtime? Now, it is. it has only been just over a month now since Trump uh, delivered his inaugural address and, and promising to stop, quote, all the American carnage. Has he delivered that? In your professional opinion, or do we have do we have more American carnage with I mean JCC centers being attacked, uh, uh, you know thwarted uh, racist attacks, uh, you know copying Dylan Roof, uh, thwarted mosque attacks, actual mosque attacks. I mean those are just a few that I list. Um, but the American carnage, I think one would say, has increased, has not stopped. Correct? Can you believe it's just August? <laughs> uh, well, look, I think. Uh, now, the larger point of my view is, first of all, I mean, there's been this whirlwind of activity. Um, you know, it's hard to think of a president who is so, you know, completely invaded our national brain space. Um, there's just always, you know, he said what? He did what? Can you believe it? Um, there's just a lot to keep track of. He's already embroiled in, you know, one very real scandal um, if you sort of, lump all of the different strands of what's happening with his uh, relationship with Russia too into kind of one investigative box. Um, but one thing I did try to point out is that in terms of actual policy changes, um, so far there's been all kinds of, you know, smoke and fire and evidence that stuff is really going to change a lot. But so far, Things haven't really changed that much. Um, you know, the president has changed, and he's obviously got his own approach, and he's saying all kinds of crazy and sometimes false and certainly provocative things. Um, but actual U.S. public policy um, is still largely what it was before January 20th. Is it safe to say that perhaps, like many who go into any political position, especially the position of commander-in-chief, that Donald Trump maybe thought he could run Washington and the United States uh, from the Oval Office the way he's run his businesses, and he's found out that he can't? <laughs> it's a finely tuned machine, Leslie. Um, <laughs> yes, I think that is exactly right. And, um, and, you know, one of the really significant developments of the last month has been, I mean, look, I, I said in the piece that you don't want to sort of sugarcoat that Trump, whether you like him or not, he sort of does have these authoritarian tendencies. And it's not a coincidence that he's really trying to delegitimize kind of independent sources of authority, whether it's, you know, people, you know, the jackals like me in the press, the enemies of the people, but also the so-called judges and, uh, you know, the protesters who must be paid, and um, even, you know, even Democrats in Congress who are, you know, how dare they oppose my nominees. Um, you know, there's, he, he, he talks like an authoritarian. But so far, those institutions have been standing up and, uh, and you know, not rolling over. Um, like, you know, you see the stuff coming out about Russia is coming out of, you know, the free press. And the, you know, these so far, you know, the judges knocked down his immigration order. So I think, uh, you know, he did sort of think that he'd be able to do what he wants and, uh, you know, that he would be able to repeal Obamacare on day one, even though I don't think he entirely knew what that entailed. Um, and it's turning out that things like, you know, 
health care and tax reform and even, uh, you know, financial reforms that he would like to undo. That's, that's not going to be as easy as he thinks. Uh, you know, with regard to um, first the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, um, it, it's not just him. I mean, there's a lot of pushback from Republicans because they're finding out to dismantle something this size is, A, very difficult, just like we saw with the implementation. Uh, two, uh, millions of people that will be left, uh, you know, in the lurk and that it is a lie to say there'll be no transition and it's a lie to say nobody will be left uninsured. The cost and then really the reason, if you look at the Affordable Care Act, the reason we needed health care reformation is nobody had any brains on the insurance companies. And if you do what Republicans are proposing, well, one, you're not really repealing and replacing it. Let's be honest. You're keeping the things you like and changing it and renaming it, you know. Um, uh, but at the end of the day, a lot of the changes they make, in a sense, would put us in the same quagmire that we were in prior to the legislation, the Affordable Care Act being passed, although not perfect, certainly, um, you know, better in a sense than, you know, what things were prior. I mean, when you look at some of the concerns that they have with the current act, which is healthy people aren't on it and a lot more sick people are on it. Well, hello, if they take away the mandate, that's going to be the same, if not even worse. And with our baby boomer population growing, we're going to have more people sicker on any insurance rolls, whether you have uh, a mandate or not, and whether you have the government running it or the private sector running it, that, that that's a reality. And th- in other words, this is, this is a mess that I think they were obsessed with politically that they didn't look at logistically and financially. I think you're exactly right. There are sort of two different types of challenges they have as they try to fix this. Um, the first type of challenge is the policy challenge, which first of all, like, you know, a lot of Obamacare is kind of working like it was supposed to, right? It's gotten health care to 20 million people. Um, it's had the lowest health care cost growth in the last 50 years. So it's been sort of less expensive than, uh, than people thought. But it is, you know, it includes big taxes. So, uh, so repealing it would increase the deficit. Um, and it's starting to actually create some delivery reforms in ways that are actually improving health care. Um, things like less, uh, you know, fewer infections when you go to the hospital, um, fewer readmissions of people who, uh, you know, after they're released from the hospital. Um, generally, then there are also some problems, as you mentioned, um, mostly in the exchanges, which is very, you know, a very small percentage of Americans. Most people are either on Medicare and Medicaid or they have health care through their through their employer, but people who are in the individual market, they have started to see some problems with higher deductibles and and uh, insurers pulling out of the market. Um, and most of the things that, you know, when you repeal Obamacare, that could make it worse, right? Um, you're talking about destabilizing the market. If you're talking about getting rid of the individual mandate, if you're talking about getting rid of subsidies, which is something that Republicans are big on. Um, so there are, if, certainly if you, if you got rid of some of the protections in Obamacare for, you know, people with pre-existing conditions, um, for, you know, for the lifetime limit so that, you know, insurers can't decide, okay, we've spent enough on you. Um, those are the sorts of things where if you get rid of it, it, you know, creates an even bigger problem. Right. Um, so then you have the political problem, which is that Republicans can't agree on anything. Very true. You know, very you, need, you need the votes to actually pass something. And this was a problem even when they were calling for the repeal of Obamacare. They couldn't get together enough, right. enough votes to actually agree on a plan. Right now, and they that, really and, can't. Right now, they can't get ten Senate votes for our Paul Ryan's budget. Apparently, at least according to Senator Lindsey Graham. Very quickly, Reader's Digest version due to time. 
what mattered and what didn't in this 30 days under Trump? Well, I think the, um, you know, this, the fact that he's looking at a big scandal matters a lot. The fact that he is, uh, you know, sort of the sort of really brazen Orwellian lies about things like, you know, his inaugural crowds, you know, doesn't like immediately hurt anybody, but it shows the kind of you know, the relationship to truth. And I think his stuff on immigration generally, where he really has sort of shut the doors of the country and said, like, we are not going to be welcoming anymore. Um, that matters That matters a lot. Um, you know, the kind of making fun of Arnold Schwarzenegger's ratings at a prayer breakfast and, uh, you know, and, uh, and even the, like, you know, calling out Nordstrom over his, uh, over his daughter's clothing. You know, in the long run, that's probably not quite as important. Very true. Thank you for joining us. We'll definitely have you back, and I appreciate you taking the time. Really enjoy your pieces at Politico. Thank you. Uh, Michael My pleasure. Michael Grunwald, senior staff writer for Politico magazine. Follow him on Twitter at Mike Grunwald, M-I-K-E-G-R-U-N-W-A-L-D. Follow Politico at Politico Mag. The website for Politico is Politico.com, and Michael has his own website. You can read more of his stuff, uh, MichaelGrunwald.com. I'm Leslie Marshall. Quick break. Now, when we come back, I want to hear from you. President Trump has been in office just a tad over a month, and I want to hear from you. Pick up the phone and join us, 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. Be honest, how has the Donald done after his first month as president? 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. Do you think the connections with Russia that have plagued his administration in the first month will continue to hurt his presidency? 888-6-LESLIE. And he has historically low approval ratings, his cabinet's in disarray, Talk to me. How do you think he's done? And how do you think the future will be? 8886 Leslie back after this. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show. Give her a call now at 8886 Leslie.